0: Dear Father in heaven, we we come before you this morning, humbled before your throne, humbled before the awesomeness of your might and your power, your justice and your righteousness and your love and your mercy. And Lord, we are joyful this morning. Lord, we are joyful because of your love and your mercy and your grace and how you've shown that to us through sending your son to this world to live for us and to die for us. And so, Lord, We come before you to praise you for that. We come before you to thank you for that. And Lord, to show the whole world exactly uh, why we have this joy and from where this joy comes from. And Lord, as we're experiencing uh, quite a bit of of illness in the church with different families, uh, Lord, as as much of a a bummer as that is and as as hard as that, that is to deal with, Physically and emotionally, and and mentally and, and spiritually, Lord, I pray that um, that you would bring healing uh, to this church. That you would bring healing to those families, Lord. That it would be a, a miraculous healing. That uh, it would be something that uh, we could look at and uh, and say, "There's there's no other um, there is no other way that, that this person or these people could be healed except through the Lord." And uh, Lord, that that we would praise you for that and. Lord, as we look out to the world, uh, to not too far from us, and and we see the devastation that happened over the weekend with the storms and the tornadoes, people who lost their lives, people who lost their family members, and people who lost their homes. And, uh, Lord, we come before you, and, and we plead with you to bring those people peace and comfort and joy as well. Lord, in the midst of that devastation, would you bring the church, would you build up the church to come alongside those communities and, and to help those who are in need and to bring a joy during this holiday season uh, to those people who have experienced loss in that? And Lord, again, that it wouldn't be a, a, a joy that we could take credit for or a personality thing that we could take credit for, but Lord, that, um, that the world would, would see your church gathering together and, and bringing peace and comfort and joy to those people and that they would know uh, that it is you. And uh, Lord, that, um, that you would just use this church, use uh, the, the church as a whole, the church here in America, Lord, to spread joy, to spread your joy through this country. And Lord, that, uh, that the people who see it would, would come to you and, and would glorify you in that. So Lord, bless our time together this morning. Lord, speak to us and speak through us today. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. There, that's mucho better. Please take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to take a break from our series on Genesis. Uh, just The next message was going to be on the serpent, and it just didn't seem very Christmassy. So we're going to move to Isaiah the next several weeks, and um, look at uh, Isaiah's Messiah. We're in chapter 40 today, starting in verse 1 of 40 through 11 verses, and let's hear what the great prophet Isaiah has for us. Verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. May the Lord add his blessing at the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. Well, the Christmas season is upon us. Do you have all your shopping done? Are you all set? No? You have some time left, but time is running out. Of course, it's the season of glad tidings and good cheer. It's a time of celebration and reflection as we Praise God for sending his son into the world to save us from our sins. But even as we gather this morning, we recognize that all of us at one time or another have been hurt or even right now are hurting in some way or to some degree. Even right now, I have a dear friend of mine in a hospital in Milwaukee who is fighting for his life with COVID. He was one of my elders while we were serving in Budapest, and he and his wife and four kids are hurting right now. Even in our own congregation, we have those who are not well. We're missing at least 50 people today because of illness and sickness, and that's why we had to, of all things, at a time of Christmas when we want to have children and have them see, lead us in praise in our little children's program, we had to cancel that. But uh, pray for our families, pray for even Pastor Nick, who's wrestling with COVID, Um, and just, uh, just pray for restoration. He's doing very well, but they still need healing in that household, too. There's a lot going on. And then, of course, there are all those down south who endured the storms this past weekend. Hundreds of homes destroyed, lost businesses, dozens of lives lost. People are hurting, and then even in our room here, there are those who are hurting, having suffered loss of all sorts, lost opportunity, lost relationship, a lost position or a lost loved one, lost status, lost health or lost innocence, or lost purity. Even this morning, most of all of us are longing to be comforted in our situation. There's a lot of pain in the world, pain brought about by our circumstances, as God allows, pain brought about by other hurtful people, or in some cases, pain that we've brought upon ourselves through our own poor decisions. But here is the good news. Even as we are longing to be encouraged and comforted, He is the God of all comfort. He speaks to us with kindness. He offers us peace in the midst of our conflicts. He pours grace and mercy into our lives. We are all longing for someone worthy of our praise as we give him our full attention, as we remove every obstacle in our lives, as we see him for all that he is. We're all longing for something that endures. Even though we are beautifully and wonderfully made, we are fragile and temporary. However, his word endures forever. We are longing for good news, ultimately, that we can share. As we will see, as we proclaim the good news with maximum impact, without apology, with boldness, that Jesus is our God, that he is our coming king, that he is our great reward, and that he is our loving shepherd in Isaiah's day, the nation of Israel had already gone through great turmoil because of their own rebellion against God. Israel was longing to be comforted after going through great crisis, and they were also longing to see God for who he was and all of his glory. This is a rare and amazing passage here in Isaiah 40 that is prophetically quoted in all four Gospels in reference, in reference to John the Baptist's role as the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 40, verse 3 in particular, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Again, all four gospels quote this particular passage from Isaiah, Matthew 3, Mark 1, Luke 3, John 1. Here we have John the Baptist acting as the promised forerunner of Christ as he proclaims tidings of great joy, encouraging everyone to get ready because the King of kings and the Lord of lords is at hand. And even though this message was written for people long ago, as they were waiting for Messiah, this morning we will see four truths from this passage that we are all longing for, that pertain to our lives right here, right now, as we prepare to receive Jesus this Christmas season, as we ultimately are encouraged to go tell it on the mountain. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we desperately need your help, and we long to be hearing from you more than anything else today. Oh God, we ask that you would open your word to our hearts and our minds. Lord, I just pray that we could receive it and hear it by the power of your Spirit through your word to us. Lord, we want to hear from you today, not from this speaker. We just want to hear from you. What you have to say, move in our hearts, change us, having spent time with you this morning. We ask this humbly in your son's wonderful and awesome name, amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined, here's the first truth. The first idea is simply this, we are all longing to be encouraged and comforted. Everybody in this room is longing to be encouraged and comforted in this world, And the good news is, first of all, that he is the God of all comfort. That's where we start in Isaiah 40, verse 1, where we read, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. This is God himself speaking to us. He wants us to be comforted, not just once, but twice for emphasis. This is a clear demonstration of God's incredible, outrageous love for us, as Paul wrote in Second Corinthians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what your deal is. But he does. He knows the affliction. He knows the issues. And he longs to comfort you, even as you sit there, as you hear his truth today. He is, in fact, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction, no matter what it is, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. In other words, God's comfort is to such a degree in our hearts and lives that it ought overflow into the hearts and lives of others around us as we offer encouragement and comfort to them, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God." For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. He is the God of all comforts. He comforts us so that we can be a comfort to others. But not only that, as we are longing for encouragement and comforting, he speaks to us with incredible kindness. In verse 2 it says, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Praise God this is how he deals with us. He Uh, Again, those who are against God, he brings a thunderous voice. But to those who are his, he comes to us tenderly. In the Hebrew, the word for tenderly here is the word lev. It's a shortened version of levav, which is a reference to God's love, the idea of his heart. In other words, speak from the heart to Jerusalem. Speak from my heart, God says, and here we see God's tenderness and loving kindness toward us as he speaks to us from a heart of love. Even while we're in sin and rebellion, he comes to us graciously. He comes alongside us and not at us with his tender mercies. I'd like to remind you from Romans 2:4 do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? This is who we're dealing with. We're dealing with a God who's coming alongside us with kindness to bring us to himself. By the way, in terms of how you are trying to reach others, why don't we try kindness for a moment? Bringing tenderness, a heart of love and compassion. That's how Jesus saw the, the crowds, with compassion and grace. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. He is the God of all comfort he speaks to us with kindness but not only that he offers us peace in the midst of our conflicts notice what it says further in verse 2 and cry to her that her warfare is ended the battle is over for israel what a time that would be in the hebrew the word warfare translated here could easily mean labor or toil By the way, if you find yourself in conflict, right, it's a lot of work, isn't it? It's toil, it's burdensome. Here God offers peace and rest for our souls. He he himself, of course, is the prince of peace, as we'll see next Sunday. Ephesians 2.14, Paul says, for he himself is our peace. He in his very being is peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, that is, God brings Jews and Gentiles together as one because he himself is the peace that we're all longing for. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lonely in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I don't know, I don't know how exhausted you are emotionally right now in your souls, but he's longing to grant you Rest. He's longing to pour peace into your world. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Uh, Praise God. Just drink that in for a moment and worship. But not only that, he pours grace and mercy into our lives. As we're longing for encouragement and comfort, he comes to us and he just dumps grace and mercy into our lives. Notice what it says at the end of verse 2. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. Oh, wow, awesome. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You mean like a double pardon? Yeah. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. I don't know about you, I'm a sheep. I've kind of gone and done my own thing from time to time. We've turned everyone to his own way. That's our problem. We are rebellious sinners. But the Lord has laid on him, that is on Christ, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Praise God for that. All the stupid things I've done in rebellion against God, Jesus has taken upon himself and he has paid for it. That is the message of the gospel. That's why it matters. Micah seven nineteen. Micah reminds us, he will again have compassion on us. Oh, that's what we're longing for. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He's going to smash all the stupid things and rebellion we've done. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Well, that's like a long way down. We've got stuff that can't even go there. It's so deep in the ocean. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Have you done the math on that idea? How far is the east from the west? Uh, okay, long long ways. Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, Oh, washed as <laughs> white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This is what God has purposed to do on our behalf. We haven't deserved it. He has poured out his grace and mercy into our lives by his sheer kindness toward us. And notice it says that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. It's a double portion. It's mercy upon mercy. It's not just mercy. It's mercy and, by the way, mercy. It's grace upon grace. He has basically dumped a whole boatload of mercy and grace into our lives. John 1.16, John writes, for from his fullness, that's the fullness of Christ is, we have all received what? Grace upon grace. I don't know about you, but I don't deserve any of that. I don't deserve any grace, let alone grace plus some more grace. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. <laughs> Big Bucket of grace dumped on you. Sign me up for that. Why? Because I need all I can get. So do you. He pours grace and mercy into our lives. I don't know about you, but that should encourage your heart. That should bring you comfort. But not only this, we are all longing for someone worthy of our praise, aren't we? Aren't we all longing for someone worthy of our praise? I mean, we look out in the media, right? Is there anybody out there that is really worthy of our praise? Not right? Look around. All of us are longing for a hero, right? Of course, uh, our culture, we're totally obsessed with action heroes, you know, the whole Marvel comic industry. You know, we need Captain America to come save the day. We're sports heroes, right? Well, the first case, they're fictitious. In the second case, they all fail and mess up, too. They're not worthy of our praise, ultimately, We're just longing for someone worthy of our praise. But those real heroes in our lives seem so few and far between, those who we might long for. But ultimately, it's found in Christ. What should we do about it? Who's this worthy one of our... Who is it? Well, first of all, we should be giving our full attention to him as we give him our full attention. Notice what it says. A voice cries, verse 3, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Here we are called to prepare the way for the ultimate hero, that's Jesus. And it's interesting, the word prepare here in the Hebrew is the word panah. If you were here last week, we talked about the idea of being face-to-face with God. That is, in the Hebrew, panim, panim, the root word being pa, which has to do with the nose. Nose Nose-to-nose with God. Here we're being called to turn our attention to, that is to turn our face to, to turn our nose toward Christ, to face him, to turn back toward, to put your nose to, that is to prepare the way of the Lord. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Yeah, turn your nose towards him, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Our problem is we're looking everywhere else but Jesus. We need to turn to him. Prepare the way of the Lord. Give your attention, your preparation, your mind toward him. Secondly here, as we remove every obstacle from our lives, the passage goes on, "Make straight, in verse 3, in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level in the rough places, a plain. Uh, what was the main message of John the Baptist? Remember, what was his main message as this voice was crying in the wilderness? What was it? Repent, right? Repent, which literally means turn around. It means to do a 180. Years ago, I had a gal tell me, yeah, you need to do a 360. No, it's a 180. It's a 180. We need to turn in our direction repenting, turning from our rebellion and our sin, making the plain level. In ancient times, when it was known that a king was coming, the people of the kingdom would make every effort to prepare for the king's reception, in some cases actually leveling a highway for the king's entrance into the city. We also need to clear the way in our hearts for our king, digging up the roots of sin and rebellion, getting rid of the rocks, In our lives, stumbling, make a clear path in our hearts for Christ. If you will, roll out the red carpet for our Savior. Here he is. He is here. He is at hand. And I ask you, what's hindering you from turning to Christ and receiving him, even right now, if you haven't done so already? Remove every obstacle with all due diligence. Prepare the way for him in your heart. Scripture is screaming here. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Clean up the mess. Now, ultimately, he's the one who brings forgiveness, but we should be pursuing that which is right and good. You know, in the Lord's Prayer we often pray, you know, lead us not into temptation. And God's willing to not, you know, to lead us not into temptation, but oftentimes we're leading ourselves there. And quite frankly, we probably shouldn't be asking that unless we first say, well, I'm not going to lead myself there. And by the way, please don't lead me there. But what's our commitment unto righteousness as we remove every obstacle from our lives? Sin which clings, easily ensnares, easily entangles, Scripture says. But thirdly here, as we finally see him for all that he is, Isaiah goes on, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. You mean as I turn my nose towards him, as I get rid of all the obstacles, It's in in that moment that I'll see the glory of the Lord. It shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Yes, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. By the way, know for certain that this is going to happen. This is going to be the case. This is not a wish list. It's not a prayer. It's an objective reality. I'd like to remind you that when Jesus did come, Initially, only Peter, James, and John saw the glory of Christ. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Well, who saw that? Peter, James, and John. In Matthew 17, we have the account. Perhaps you remember what happened. It won't be on the screen, but we read, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, And he, that is Jesus, was transfigured before him and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Now, I wasn't there, but I'm thinking this isn't normal, right? This is what just happened here. Jesus starts glowing like the sun. Now, I know I've got a head for it, but I'm probably not going to start glowing like the sun. I'm not going to blind you with any brilliance or glory I've got at all. Behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. This is awesome. If you wish, I will make three tents here, and one for you, and for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking, when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Basically, here's God who speaks up in the middle of Peter's idea and basically, would you just be quiet for a minute because I'm revealing the glory of my son. Why don't you just listen to him for a while? Stop the talking. The glory of God incarnate. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is who we're experiencing in the personal Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, we're told in John 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is what's known as the incarnation, So if you order chili and you order chili con carne, that's chili with meat in it, right? The incarnation, the carn, that's God with meat on him, right? He's in the flesh. This is who we're talking about. We've seen his glory. Now, mind you, here's John writing this, and he speaks emphatically. He's not talking euphemistically like, oh, we've seen his glory. No, I was there, I saw the glory. He was glowing like the sun, guys. You should have seen it. Is awesome. Philippians 2.9, Therefore God has highly exalted him, that is Christ, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This will be revealed to all flesh. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Count on it. This is who we're dealing with. We are longing for someone worthy of our praise as we give him our full attention, as we remove every obstacle from our lives, as we see him for all that he is and all of his glory. But thirdly here this morning, we are all longing for something that endures. There's not much in life that endures or lasts, right? Even the everlasting gobstopper doesn't really last all that long. We're all longing for something that will continue, that doesn't move, that stays put. And even though we are beautifully and wonderfully made, that's what Isaiah hears, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. Yeah, humanity, a human being, a person's pretty awesome in how we've been made, right? There's a beauty about humanity in its right form and state. The psalmist writes in 139, I won't be on a screen, but listen, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And even though we're beautifully and wonderfully made, the problem is we are yet, secondly here, fragile and temporary. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. That's pretty awesome. Verse 7, though, the grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade. Hate to break it to you, you're just a bunch of grass. psalmist reminds us in Psalm 39, O oh Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you've made my days a few handbreadths. Here's a handbreadth right there. A few handbreadths. And my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. There it is. Understand how fleeting we are. And even though we are beautifully and wonderfully made, we are fragile and temporary. You'll be leaving the planet one day. We're all longing for something that endures. And Even though we're beautifully and wonderfully made, we are fragile and temporary. However, thirdly, his word endures forever, which I'd like to remind you is a super way long time. The word of our God will stand forever. We know this about his written word, Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, Jesus says. And Jesus has pretty good credentials, I'd like to remind you. 1 Peter 1, 25, but the word of the Lord remains, how long? Forever. And this word is the good news. This is the gospel, the good spiel, the good story that was preached to you. Psalm 119, 160, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Again, that's a super long time. Did you hear that? The sum of your word is truth, and it endures forever? The sum. If I take all of the Bible and I add it up, it equals what? Truth. Now, this Thursday, I'm giving a final exam up in an Old Testament class up on Cornerstone University's campus, and there'll be some true-false questions. Now, how much of, a, of the question and the true-false question, it has to be false for me to mark it wrong, is false? You know, how, how, how am I going to do that? How are the students going to look at these things? How much has to be false for the statement to be false? Any part of it, right? Any part of it. There's any part in it that's just false that I'm going to, they're going to have to say, well, that's false. And that would be the right answer if any part of it is false. But here we have a statement that the sum of thy word is true. In other words, when I add it all up, it equals truth, which means there can't be one thing in here that's not true. It's completely, 100% true. Nothing false in it. So on your exam paper, God's word equals what? Truth. And by the way, this truth endures forever. It's not just for five minutes or while you're listening to the message, and then you walk out of here and God's word stops somehow. It goes on. It endures. Praise God for that. That's the written word, but then we have Jesus. As I read a little bit ago, John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Ah, oh, that's Jesus, the incarnate Word. And we have seen His glory. That's what John is saying. I've seen it personally. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the written Word and the incarnate Word come together in the purse of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God will indeed stand forever. As a matter of fact, Jesus says it's all going to be accomplished on top of it. Matthew five seventeen, Jesus says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. Don't think I came to... The smash that down. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not an iota, that's, the, that's the, basically the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, not a dot, that's the smallest mark, will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. So how much of this is God going to accomplish through Christ? All of it, to, down to the letter and to the smallest mark. Oh, it's like he's God or something. His word endures forever and and all will most certainly be accomplished. But lastly, don't miss this today. We are all longing for good news that we can share. Aren't you longing to tell something good, you know, people good stories? You hear something awesome, you go, man, I can't wait to tell that person that thing. Uh, we got news recently, my middle daughter's expecting a uh, baby boy going to be due in March. So well, I want to tell everybody about that because that's awesome. Yeah, right. Another arrow in the quiver, right? That's cool. That's awesome. We praise God for that. We all have things that we want to share that we're excited about. But you guys, there's really nothing more exciting to talk about than Jesus. We're all longing for the good news that we can share as we proclaim, first of all, this good news with maximum impact. Unfortunately, sometimes we have good news and we're not talking to the right people or anybody about it. And we're not uh, maximizing our impact for the account, for what we want to share. Verse 9 says, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Good news, there it is, the good news, the good story, the gospel. Go up on a high mountain. Don't, you know, don't go in your closets. Don't, you know, don't go in your car and start shouting the good news. That's not going to be effective. Go on a high mountain and proclaim it, would you? And do so, secondly here, without apology. Lift up your voice with strength. You shouldn't be mumbling about this Oh yeah, I follow Jesus, yeah, I'm a Christian. No, man, no, I'm a Christ person, I follow Christ. And without apology, this is who I am, this is what I'm about. I remember a long time ago, uh, back in my State Farm days, you know, I was still, you know, wrestling with my faith and, and uh, trying to, you know, figure out what it means to be a business guy and, and, uh, and walk with Christ and... and uh, I had an important appointment coming. A guy was going to come in, and I was going to talk to him about his insurance. And he was a big business owner. And I I remember I had my Bible on my desk in my office, and I knew this guy was coming in. So I took my Bible, and I put it on the floor because I didn't want him to think I was some kind of a crazy, fanatic Christian guy. And you know what? The Lord was not going to let me deal with that that way. And by God's grace, he dealt with me. And uh, I felt after the guy came in and you know, I talked to him and he left and I looked down and there's my Bible on the floor. And uh, I said, Father, forgive me. I'm sorry. I, uh, I will never move my Bible for anyone ever again. Without Apology. This is who I am. I'm a Christ follower. You walk in my house right now, the first thing you see as you walk in the door is a big, generous Bible on a table. Because that's that's what we're about. We're about following what he has to say. As you proclaim the good news with maximum impact, without apology, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news with boldness thirdly here lift it up fear not it says don't be afraid in fact scripture and other accounts tell us that uh, he'll give us the words that we need to say but what are we talking about what are we lifting up with boldness without apology from a mountaintop what are we talking about four things here don't miss it This is the good news. This is the good spiel, the good story that Jesus, first of all, is our God. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. That's who's coming. John the Baptist proclaimed a voice in the wilderness. Behold your God, God incarnate. Jesus is our God, but not only that, he is our coming king. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. If he's ruling, he's coming as a king with might and power and ability. Not only does God come with love, but he comes with the ability to do something about his love in all power. But thirdly, he has with him a great reward. He is, in fact, our great reward. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He brings to us all that we're longing for in terms of fulfilling all our deepest needs and desires and longings. That's who he is. But don't miss this. As he comes, he is our loving shepherd. Now, I find this interesting as we behold our God who comes, who is ruling so he's the king, but at the same time, he is the great shepherd. Notice the contrast. The king and the shepherd. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Beautiful truths. Don't miss these four things that he brings to us as our shepherd. John 10 says... I should say, Jesus says in John 10 that those who hear his voice are his sheep. They listen to him and they follow him. Are you following him? Are you hearing what he has to say? What will he do? He will tend his flock, it says. He wants to tend after you. I don't know about you, but I need to be tended sometimes, tended to, as I wander off and do my own thing. And God comes on and says, hey, over here, over here. Hey, you, over there. He tends to us. And he gathers us in his arms. Oh, there's a precious thought. He gathers us. and He holds on to us. And sometimes when things are really tough and really hard and we want to collapse, sometimes he carries us, it says. He will carry them in his bosom. This is our king who yet shepherds us, carrying us, gathering us, tending to us. Don't miss this. As he gently leads those that are with young Where did we start? We started with comfort, comfort my people, and we find ourselves back at this comfort again as he comes as our great shepherd to tend to us, to carry us, to hold us as he leads us gently. Praise him for how he gently leads you. It could be a lot more difficult, but he's gracious. What do you need to be comforted with today? Where do you need to be encouraged? We're all longing to be encouraged and comforted. We are all longing for someone worthy of our praise. We're all longing for something that endures. We're all longing for good news that we can share. You know, I haven't heard the good news about my friend yet, but let me, let me brag about my friend over in Milwaukee who's in a hospital bed that I was texting with this morning who's wrestling, struggling with his life, he's a little bit younger than me, but this this guy's an awesome. He's an awesome young man. Married, bunch of kids, lovely family. He was my elder over in Budapest when we were serving there, and uh, this guy he uh, he played he played quarterback for Army. Did you watch the Army Navy game? This guy played quarterback for Army. He's a stud. He's, a, he's an athlete, and now he's in a hospital bed, and he's hard, he can't breathe. But here's what I know about my friend, and I know that his Savior is tending to him. As his wife you know, shoots out Facebook posts, please pray, and as she's calling for prayer, she's saying, but I know my God is good. the Lord now carries them right now. As I try to send encouragement to him this morning with God you can do this. You can do this with God's help. He's an old military guy so I said hey take the hill you can do this. Praise God we're not left alone. He longs to comfort us to encourage us with whatever's going on in our world. Why? Because he's the one who encourages and comforts. He's the only one who can. He's the one who's worthy of our praise. His word will most surely endure. He is the good news that all of us can share. He's got all the answers. His word is completely true. The only question is, where are you today? Have you turned to him for the comfort that you're longing for? Well, I want comfort, but I don't want Jesus. Well, that's not going to work. He's the God of all comfort. Turn to him and find what you've been longing for. Would you please stand as we close our service? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you are to us. Lord, we thank you that you revealed your glory to these disciples in an amazing way. And Lord, we're longing to see your glory too. Lord, may we turn our nose toward you. May we give attention, preparing the way. May we set aside our petty rebellions and ridiculousness. That we might see you as you are. You are God in the flesh. And all of us will see it. If not now, we're all going to see it later. When you come in all your glory. Lord, for those who are here who are longing to be comforted, Lord, we pray for that comfort, for that encouragement that you simply offer to all of us through faith in Christ. Lord, if there's someone here who's never given their life to you, it's my prayer that they would do so even right now. They would acknowledge their rebellion before you and repent. They would turn from the direction they were going in rebellion and turn to faith in Christ, simply inviting you into their heart and life even right now. Dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I want you to come into my heart and life. I want you to change me, make me a new creation. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying for all of my rebellion and taking all of my sin upon yourself. Thank you for washing me whiter than snow, removing my sin from me as far as the east is from the west, casting it down into the deepest sea freeing us evermore. Lord, may we proclaim this from the mountaintops, that you are our God. May we do so boldly, without apology, without shrinking back, knowing full well all that you are to us, that you are our God. Behold your God. You are our God. You are our great shepherd. And even now, you're holding us. In some cases here in this room, you're even carrying some here. I recognize that. But Lord, you long to speak tenderly to us and to lead us and guide us tenderly. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your outrageous care for even us. We haven't deserved any of it as you have dumped and poured grace upon grace, mercy on mercy on us. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for all that you've done. We want you to receive all the glory, all the praise this morning, especially as we move closer to this Christmas season. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this your son's wonderful and awesome name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Well, thank you so much for coming. Have a fantastic week.